Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here across from the table to me, but to me, from me, across from me, can't even speak English. Are you ending with a preposition? That's, That's all right. I want to know. Because I can't be on a podcast that ends every sentence with a preposition. And surprise, it ain't Victor. So, <laughs> I'm uh, joined again today by our good friend Deacon Jeff Drzymski, who a lot of times is on the other side of the camera running mm-hmm. running the cameras. But mm. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. All heck's broken loose here around my house lately. There's four friars inside praying, doing Work, um, calisthenics, all kind of stuff, and yeah, then we Franciscan invi- <laughs> fires of the renewal. Yeah, and then we invited a deacon over just so we all we had two priests, two brothers, and now we have a deacon. So it's almost like a buffet. It's uh, a holy house. <laughs> so, but those guys are here for an event you were a part of this yeah, uh, this past Fest. weekend. Yeah, in the diocese and Friar Fest is a, a, a an event for young people to help bring them into honest, honestly a relationship with the Lord. And, yeah. And a greater knowledge of their faith and lots of Eucharistic celebrations and adoration. Yeah, it's centered on the Eucharist, and that's really awesome. And they really get to encounter uh, Jesus, some of them really for the first time. You know, they go to Mass and they do the things that normal little Catholic kids will do growing yeah. up. But really, this is like really intense, uh, and it's a really cool thing. They build this uh, burning bush um, uh, which is really essentially just like a, a a big tall structure with a bunch of candles on it, yeah. and at the top they put a monstrance. And Jesus is present there uh, for the entire weekend, like so, starting Friday night all the way through Sunday morning, and that's pretty intense. And so over that weekend, there's some kids that really have a relationship with the Lord afterwards. Yeah. That's really that's really profound, and so it's a it's a great opportunity. And the Franciscan friars. They're they're always uh, they're always a lot of fun and they're pretty cool guys. Yeah, uh, they they live they live the life and I think that's awesome. It's great witness to the kids as well. Sure, and some of you folks who listen or watch either way, you've, we've had some shows with Father Malik. He's actually the one he one of the ones here, and we had some shows back with him sharing his conversion story and also um, one on Advent, one on the Eucharistic yeah. uh, National Eucharistic Revival. So they're all very involved in that, and they're going to be leading a procession from the East Coast to the. Indianapolis yeah. with the with our Lord and the only thing they don't do is pick up the tab. So if you're going to take them out to lunch, <laughs> you are taking them out to lunch. They're good holy guys. That's they, right. And I like to buy my way into heaven, so it all works out. So, but uh, but no, Victor couldn't be here today. Uh, you know, we're just trying to get some shows in. We have a crazy schedule lately. You do always. So thank you for stepping in here. Uh, speaking about some of the stuff that we've got coming up, uh, folks. If you're in the Denver area, I'll be there this coming weekend, uh, April the. What's today? The seventeenth. So I think it's the twentieth or twenty-first. Doing some stuff for men over there. Uh, you can look on our website and find that out. Got a lot of stuff going on in uh, June after we get back from the Holy Land. Uh, we'll be in Buffalo. We will be in. Let's see where else. Jacksonville, Florida, and then in Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the retreat house up there. So you can check all that out on the website. And as always, you know the work we're doing for men and starting communities and parishes around the country. Uh, one thing Deacon Jeff and I are going to start talking about here in a minute for the show is relationship, and it's important because if we don't have a relationship, first and foremost, with Jesus, and then second of all, with other people in our lives to walk with, then we'll find ourselves in a lonely and isolated place. And to be honest with you, whenever we get email in from guys that are struggling, that's usually the first sentence. I'm alone. I'm doing it myself. I'm isolated. I've almost given up on our Lord because I think he doesn't see me. In fact, I got one like that yesterday. 
And guys, that's what we're all about is trying to help men find other men to be introduced to friends and real relationship in their life, which ultimately will bring them to a greater relationship with Jesus, which is what we all want. So if you're interested in that, we can come out, do missions, give talks, uh, help you start a men's group that'll be life-changing and different than most other things out there for men. Uh, You can find out all of that at justaguyonthepew.com on our book me page. So Deegan, Jeff, we want to get all that out of the way. Uh, I love, you know, I know everybody loves infomercials, but... Uh, That's right, very nice. <laughs> I took a little nap there while you were talking. Did you? Yeah, but I, so I feel rested and ready to go. Well, I know older folks usually need a daytime <laughs> nap, so maybe that's... hi <laughs> you <laughs> But anyway, let's jump into it. You know, you gave a talk uh, at Friar Fest this weekend, yeah. uh, and it was really, who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. And you've ta- I've heard you talk about this before, and uh, use some of C.S. Lewis's arguments and statements about that to get going, yeah. but... You know, I think this is at the root of a lot of the problems of our faith. Is one, we lack relationships with each other, but more importantly, we we lack a real relationship with Jesus. And as Catholics, I know, and as a former Protestant, and you were a former Protestant too, real relationship with Jesus was something. A personal relationship with Jesus is something right. you hear a lot about. Well, that phrase, personal relationship with Jesus, yeah, a, a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, yeah. Like when when you hear that, you know, you're pretty much talking to somebody who's not Catholic, yeah. Right, but it's part. actually it's integral to who we are yeah. as Catholics. Well, and it's always say, where do you think they got it from? Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's also <laughs> the idea true. that came from the, our church, but we seem to sometimes have lost that over the years, and just we can get our heads down in the things that are beautiful. The church has given us right. the rituals and and the rules and, re- and things like that that we follow, but all of those things point us back to the person of Jesus Christ, yeah. and and are to bring us whether it's a devotion to a saint or anything or to our Blessed Mother. All of that, if you were to ask those saints, would they would turn and say, "Yeah, you're talking to me, so I can help you look at him." Yeah, right. And so, no, you're right. And and I'll be honest with you, we really, I mean, and I know this sounds weird, but before we get into Jesus, sure, before we even talk about Jesus, <laughs> we really need to talk about that word relationship. We need to talk about community uh, and what we're built for, what we're made for. And if you stop and think about it, when God revealed Himself first to mm-hmm. to to the people of the world. After creation, when he revealed all throughout uh, history through the through the prophets and to the chosen people of Israel, he revealed himself as a Trinitarian God, right? As mm-hmm. as as three persons, one nature, um, and so built into the Trinity is there's Father having a relationship with Son and Son having a relationship with Father. And when I'm teaching RCI, I tell them about the Trinity. You don't you don't talk. We don't want to talk about the Trinity too much because we'll get sure. into heresy because that's where all the heresies <laughs> always right. happen. Because right? nobody truly understands. No, it. <laughs> but at the same time, what we do know about the Trinity is these three persons are in in constant and eternal relationship. Yeah. I mean, God reveals Himself in a relationship. So, uh, Father loves the Son with such intensity and the son loves the father with such intensity that it eternally spirates where we get the words Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, sure. Spirates the Holy Spirit. Um, and so you see this relationship, this Trinitarian love and how beautiful that is. But all of the world, everything was patterned essentially after that, right? Yeah. Flora and fauna, you know, flora puts off CO2, fauna puts off, or, or flora puts off O2, uh, oxygen yeah. and and fauna puts off CO two, which feeds the the flora. I mean, and so you and so what comes from that life? Sustained life comes from the from the trees and from the animals putting off what they need, so that that that, that relationship. And we have husband, 
uh, loves the wife with such intensity, wife loves the husband, what happens? It, conti- it bears the fruit yeah. of children. And so you start to see uh, creation in the, in, the, in the model of the world. That's just Trinitarian love, but it's relationship. Sure. Right? And we were built that way. I mean, look at uh, Adam. When, when God created Adam, you know, in, in the way the story goes, he creates Adam, and then it says, like, hey, I need to find somebody for Adam. He even actually yeah. says, it is not good that man is alone. Yeah. And that n- never have truer words been spoken sure. about guys. Amen. It's like we... All the trouble we get in, yeah. it's usually the lights are out. It's nobody that's awake, yeah. and, you know, or, or we're away from home, or we're when we're by ourselves, when we're isolated, it's not good, yeah. right? So it's good that we have a relationship, someone to to hold us accountable, and it's not just like a husband wife relationship. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, and that's really powerful. Um, but we need to have other friends. We're built and made for community, and when we're not in community. That's when we get into all the trouble. Yeah. Right. And there's so many things. It's not just, and it's also not just holding us accountable. It's how we grow and how we exchange and thoughts and ideas and how we exchange friendship and love um, and being in relationship. That, that's what makes the world go round. Yeah, and that's how we 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 live out the gift that we've been given from the Father. We've been loved so well, and yeah. then that's the opportunity for us to love others well too. I mean, you know, as Jesus says, you know, He comes and says, "I've called you friends, not servants." Um, and through that relationship with him, we learn what it is to be loved. And that's what really makes us happy is when we're actually living and, and loving other people and serving other people the way we're called to that. And, and honestly, that's the hardest part of the gospel, isn't it? Where we get to the point and it's like, okay, so to be happy, I cannot just sit around and love myself and yeah. be self-involved and st- steadily looking inward. I've got to live outwardly the way that the Lord called us to. And Honestly, when we find ourselves in these places of isolation, ninety percent right. of the of the men that I talk to through the ministry and the work we do, Deacon Jeff, is when you listen to them for a few minutes, you start hearing the word "I" a lot, "me," "my," and it's really kind of where they've retreated into themselves, yeah. and they're wondering why this loneliness and isolation has happened. But in fact, it's because it's so easy to spiral into your own problems, into your own issues, and, and just then stay you're, there. Then you're blinded. There's scales on your eyes. You're yeah. blinded, and you don't even realize how that's damaging you, how that's yeah. hurting you, how it's forming you into something you're not supposed to be. Yeah, and what I love about it is like when you look in at the interactions Jesus had with like the first followers, and almost every one of them were kind of off doing their own thing. Yeah. They were angry. They were sort of isolated. Like Peter's you know, mad at the world because he can't catch fish. And he's on his boat cussing under his breath or whatever's going on. And Jesus comes in and basically even Peter's trying to argue with him about there's no fish. There's this, there's none of this. And we've had trouble. We've been fishing all night as we do to Jesus. You know, we kind of go, you know, Jesus, thank you, but you really can't help me. Right. I've been, you know, and Matthew hated by everybody. I mean, hated by the Romans because he was a Jew, hated by the Jews because he was helping the Romans. And he's over there. And even when Jesus comes, there's that shame and all those things we right. all feel. But yet Jesus still tries to break through those barriers because we're not made to be alone. You know, a lot of people don't realize that um, that, that there's such a thing as the, the church recognizes the sin of despair, it, mm. that, it's, that it's actually a sin yeah. to be in despair. It's like, well, wait, isn't that just a person that's really sad? Why would the church call that a sin? It's not really. It's where someone has lost hope. They've turned away from everyone yeah. and everything, and especially from God. And essentially, not only have they become like, like maybe they've they're 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 down in the mouth at the beginning, and then they get like depressed. Sure. And these are things that are serious things. Uh, but when you fall into despair, you're basically saying there is no hope. Right. You're you're basically saying that I am such a bad person. No one wants me, and even God doesn't want me. That's a sin. It's yeah. like this, a sin to believe that that God doesn't love you. 
And and I know that sounds like we're punishing somebody, right? By like, but we ought to put a name on it. It's really us turning our backs on God. And we start that by turning our backs on others. Yeah. And that's really where where people feel um, important and where they feel like they matter is when through our relationships. Because, I mean, the definition of having a relationship is caring about someone else yeah. and, and, and putting their needs first. And what does that tell somebody else? Like, you see me. You know, you see me. And so often, you know, in our faith, if we're evangelizing at all, which we have a problem with that in the church in general in a lot of ways, but like if we're evangelizing at all, we always kind of look to these grandiose, grandiose ways of evangelizing. Like I'm going to get on a stage and speak, or I'm going to make a video series if you're a presenter or something, or, you know, we're going to go and do some massive event. But how many people do we actually pass by each and every day yeah. that are like right there? Like we, we sit there on our knees sometimes and say, Lord, please give me a chance to serve you. Please let me you know, give you a chance to live out what my call in this Catholic life. And then we walk by 15 people that just have yeah. blinking signs that like, I'm hurting, I need someone, I'm troubled, I please look at me. That's right. And that's, a, see, yeah. that's another thing I've, I've noticed, even in my own life. And, and the reality is, I mean, we all, you don't have to look very far, read very much, watch very much on TV or wherever, uh, or social media to see that the world's in a really bad place, right? Yeah. And, we, and we can go through, I mean, you and I could do, you could do a show right now that lasts about an hour and a half where we just list, like using one word, little short descriptions, sure. all the problems in the world. Yeah. And so then you start thinking like, well, well, how are we going to fix that? You start thinking about fixing it. And for several years uh, now, I've had this sort of that comes to me in prayer, and it really has helped me a lot to understand. And it ties into relationship directly. And you're talking about like walking past people right around you. And I've always had I've had this expression come to me in prayer all the time is till your own garden. Oh, like yeah. God has given you a place to be, right? God has given you this little uh, small little patch of of virtual land around you, your environment, your family, um, the folks that you, that you know and that you love that you see every single day, the people you work with, the people that shop near you, whatever in your parish. And and God has given you this place to be. And if we want to save the world, we really need to start, and I say save the world, not in a savior kind sure, of way. Sure, sure. If you want to help the world be a better place and do your part as a good Christian, you got you, you can't be setting your sights on like oh, I'm gonna ha- I want this video to go viral, sure. and I want and I want everyone to see this, and it's gonna be like the the ultimate mic drop moment, and everybody is suddenly gonna recognize that what what I'm saying is it's gonna change the world. It's like it's not. What's gonna change the world is if you have a relationship with someone right who's like probably just a few feet from you. Yeah. A lot. Right? You start to fix your family, fix the brokenness in your in your life and in your world to have relationships with those immediately around you. That's going to start working that that's going to eternally spirate yeah. in a very spiritual way. That's going to that's what's going to save the world. That's that's God using you or working through you. Uh, in your environment, he's going to make your garden flourish. Yeah. Right. So if you're tilling your garden, if you're working to make, look, I can't fix everybody else's garden, but I can fix mine. I can sure. work on mine and, and get those weeds out and get those big heavy rocks out. And I can plant. I can make sure it's all watered and I can take care of all that stuff. And God's going to help me do that. And then I'm going to look at my garden and say, "This looks great. This looks awesome." But other people are going to see that. Yeah. Other people, and they've got gardens too. Like, I want a garden like that. What is he doing? Sure. That's what relationship does. Yeah. That's how, that's the best kind of viral. Yeah. Right? That, every time you, like when I tell the kids, they go out, they're like going, hey, I'm going to do such and such. It's like, 
please don't go viral. Yes. Because <laughs> that's usually not a good thing. That's you right. Know? Well, you get them in school long enough, they're going to be viral whether you well, like it or not. Well, that's also true. They get the sniffles all the time. <laughs> Try to get that out of the way. But no, you're exactly right. And, and this is what the scriptures mean. Like so many people will say, well, how am I to evangelize? How am I supposed to? It, it's caring about other people. It's getting yeah. out of yourself. It's it's getting out of this instant gratification world. Like we live in this world now where you know, everything is instant. You know, if I want to watch something, boom, I can pull up on my phone and watch something. Yeah. If I, you know, if I want to, you know, an email, I can send it right now from wherever I am, whatever all those things are. It's instant gratification, but the the Lord's work is not instant gratification. Like there's people that I've walked with for years. I know there's people you've walked with with years. And, it, and, and it's not like you're not going, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? No, you don't. Do you want to know him? Yes, I do. Can I get baptized immediately? No, it takes time and we have to get out of ourselves and this is what Jesus meant by you're my hands and my feet. Like you're, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We have to come in to know his love and have a relationship with him and witness how he loves us right. to be able to then go and love other people. And that's, that's something that takes time. And there is no like, you know, instant coffee kind of evangelization where you just, you know, dump some beans in, pour some water in, and you got coffee. It doesn't happen that way. It takes time. And you know, I, I, I always love to say you have to earn the right in somebody's life. Yeah. You know, because I don't think any of us are going to be ever really successful at standing on milk crates with signs that say you're going to hell if you don't stop and listen to me right now. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Yeah. And even though they made the catechism really thick, so if you hit somebody in the head with it, hopefully it'll start to, when to wake them up. When the, the egg, the egg crates, make sure you don't have any eggs in there. That's that was right. embarrassing. Yeah, too. the milk crates or whatever they are, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's, it's the way that God wants us, and it's the way that he's done it to us. Like, God doesn't force his way into our life. Jesus doesn't say, I'm tired of your mess, I'm coming in, I'm kicking open the door, and you better have your stuff in order or, or you're in trouble. Jesus waits. And he's yeah. just there, and he's walking with us. And I think in despair and in these places that you've been talking about that people can get, we lose sight of that. You know, We feel like God is distant, and he's some off on some cloud somewhere else tending to somebody else's business and not right there with us all the time. And, and so I think this is it's such a good model for how we need to be for other people in our lives. It's simply just, and, and you're a Crisio guy. I mean, they really have the best motto and slogan out of anybody. Make a friend. Be, be a, a friend. friend. That's the most important one, I think. Yeah. Uh, then you bring the friend to Christ. Yeah, because that's what Christ has simply done for us. I mean, I know even in my story, I felt like God had turned away from me for so long, but in fact, he was there waiting for me to turn back to him. Yeah. And and it's hard to, f- to feel that way. It's hard to find yourself in that place when you're in that isolation and that loneliness. But, I mean, it really has to, like you said, let's start with, with friends, but let's move into like what we've been talking about a little bit with Jesus you really have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is in order to have that relationship with him and start it. Yeah. So, uh, and that's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, they forget a lot of things about, like you mentioned, like instant gratification and instant baptism, like, Hey, uh, you know, and I don't want to beat up on our Protestant brothers and sisters, but I've been in that world for a little while. You were as well. And And the reality is, um, you can have these mountaintop moments, and they don't last all the time. Yeah, really, because you have this sort of spiritual, maybe even an emotional high. Yeah, right. And it's like, woo! I love Jesus, and then you come back into your regular <laughs> what daily life. What happened to Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you leave? You know, and and uh, you, you mentioned the baptism, and like the church's model for the catechumenate, those who are come, who want to join the church, who want to become Christian, who have, are unbaptized, the catechumenate, like back in the day, was years. Yeah, I mean, you studied, you you hung out with the brothers uh, and the sisters. You you were like f- learning and kind of like kind of learning the ropes. 
basically you were you were coming into relationship with Christ. Sure, and, and, and with the church. And yeah. it was oh, oh, it was a while. It wasn't like how many did we get this weekend? How many going to get next weekend? It wasn't like we were going out looking for um, some uh, people to to quote unquote save. Yeah, it really was a process where where we're essentially um, uh, like having a relationship with someone that was going to take some time. And wait, basically, what you're doing is you're building up trust. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. That's 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 how that's how Jesus. So all these relationships we have with others are really modeled on on or the other way around. The relationship we have with Jesus is going to be based on how we we have relationship with others. And if we yeah. don't have relation with others, we're not going to be able to have a relationship with Jesus. Sure. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, and so like Jesus wants us to get to know Him because here's the thing, that word know is tricky. Yeah. Right. We 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 can look in scripture and see the word know used several times, like in the Old Testament. You know, Adam knew Eve. Yeah, it means something completely different than. And, uh, <laughs> and well, a baby was born. Yeah. I mean, it was an intimate relationship. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, Abram knew Sarah, and a baby was born. Sure. Right. Well, then later, uh, Jesus is talking about people that were claiming to be followers, and and he said, they essentially get away from me. I never knew you. Yeah. But he was saying, I was never intimate with you. I never knew yeah. you and had a relationship with you, right? You knew my name and you called my name out and Lord, we did this and we did this, but it's like, you know, go away. Cause yeah. you really never knew me and I, I never knew you. Yeah. I never had a relationship with you. And that's the relationship that he's calling each one of us into. Right. And so we know things about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't always dig down and figure out who Jesus is and what who he's revealed himself to be and who he is for us and how he's wants to have a relationship with us. Um, we, we I mentioned earlier, you mentioned um, C.S. Lewis. That was a kind of an interesting turning point for me when he because there's some great logic there. Yeah. There's some great head knowledge about about Jesus in that when he was saying that, um, you know, you have to believe one of three things about Jesus. Well, starting with a with a with a proposition. If Jesus sure. claimed to be God, right? If Jesus claimed to be God, then there's only one of three things that's true. Either he claimed to be God and he knew he wasn't, so mm-hmm. he's a liar, or he claimed to be God and he really thought he was, but he really wasn't. He was crazy. He was crazy. Yeah. He's a lunatic, right? Yeah. And then C.S. Lewis says the only other possibility is that it's true. He actually is Lord. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's to me that was like very logical because I I I came at my sort of rebirth in faith like with my head and and through intellect you know and studying the early church fathers and like well this is what it was like then this is what it was like and so it's like it made sense well this is what they did two thousand years ago man they discovered stuff so I'm gonna follow this path and it wasn't until I started to follow that path where intellectually it made sense to me mm-hmm. that this was all true that I started to have like a heart loving relationship yeah, to the heart yeah right and it shifted very noticeably in my relationship with my wife with my kids with the rest of my family and my friends and with my church and it started to be like man and that's when i started to feel called like well i need to do something more and that's when i got involved in the diaconate i felt called to be a deacon all those things changed only because it started in the head and it started with this like well if jesus is lord I can't just say like, hey, uh, by the way, that guy over there, he's the savior of the universe. So let's go on about watching the basketball sure. game. Let's do it. Let's mow the yard and hate the weeds to get too big. And let's, you know, take care of all this other stuff. While the Lord of the universe is like literally just right there. Yeah. You can't ignore him. You, you're going to have to have some kind of, you're going to have to say, like, you can't just do the, 
you know, the little, yeah, head, the little sure. head nod. You're still there? I thought <laughs> like, you'd can you turn around. Like we yeah. do on the elevator, you know. Yeah, that's you know, right. How's it going? That's as much as we that's get, right. right? Well, you can't do that to Jesus. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And that's it's funny because we, we all think, well, you say, do you know Jesus? And people are like, well, yeah, and it just means I go to church and I'm a follower, right. I'm a Christian. But at the end of the day, you know, an atheist can write a book report on Jesus. The devil knows Jesus. Yeah, right. That's it. I mean, the devil knows Jesus. Yeah. He it, knows Jesus. Yeah, he so knew like, him before I all of us. better than the devil. <laughs> yeah. And that's really it because you go like, it's not about that. So that's another good point is like, okay, well, if people who don't believe in Jesus can can basically tell me everything about him, what's different about my knowledge of Jesus? What's right. different about, and it's relationship, exactly what you're talking about. Because, you know, everybody can go, well, Jesus walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He right. healed the sick. And have that knowledge, but exactly what you're saying is moving to the heart and understanding, no, like, he's he's not only a person who was able to do that, he's the Lord of my life, yeah, right? And there's a love there. And, and that's what I tell people a lot is is I'll just say, look, I mean, you know, right now a lot of us probably have, like, look at your heart as, as a, an apartment, you know, and, and Jesus is knocking at the door, and you're trying to open it, he's trying to get in, but there's so much junk that you have boxed up in your right. apartment. You're a hoarder, right? Like those have you TV been to hoards. my house? No, yes. It didn't look like that. <laughs> I'm going to give you a bad rap. I got rap. a wonderful wife. That's right. <laughs> but there's boxes piled everywhere, and Jesus is trying to get in, and maybe you're even trying to let him in, but you have all this stuff yeah. in the way. And so the door can't open, he can't get through. And this relationship with him is coming to this understanding of who he is and what he wants to do in your life is like opening the window of that apartment and starting to throw boxes and junk out and, and making room for him so the door can open and then he comes in and redoes the floor plan yeah. of your of your heart, right? Like now he can start coming in there and living. And this is where so many of us struggle is, is we keep Jesus, like you're saying, up here at the head level and he doesn't become real on that heart level. And we don't look at him like so many of us, and I feel myself even doing it sometimes when I'm trying to pray. I feel like, you know, I'm trying to write some Shakespearean prayer. Oh, Lord, thou art who that come down now from yes. heaven and flesh of my flesh gained and all this stuff. And and uh, and in actuality, it's it's some of the favorite prayers of our Lord, I think, are just like, Jesus, I don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah. And I just, I need you to love me. I need you to hold me. I need you to to help me through these things. Because then you're talking to a prayer, like a friend, like even speaking to God the Father, that was a real turning po- moment for me was when I was praying in those ways to, to God the Father. I was like, would I walk into my house with my father, earthly father and go, hey, Dad, oh, my father, I am here and I've brought the biscuits that I requested. And, you know, and, yeah. or would I just be like, hey, Dad, it's good to see you. And what's going on with you? And what? And it's not to mean to be disrespectful or lose any lack of reverence in prayer. But it's again, it's about that relationship. And when, when my life changed and when I know yours and other people I've talked to, is when you started really adapting this, like, no, there's a God who loves me and wants a real relationship with me. And it goes beyond just servant and master. It's it's friend. That's what I love about what Jesus yeah. has said. It's like, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And, you know, you just used a word. Um, you just said changed. Like, you talked yeah. about yourself changed. And see, that's the key. A lot of people, if you're like, well, how do I know that I know Jesus? How, how do I yeah. know that it went from my head to my heart? Well, the, the the first sign of that is going to be that you've changed. Yeah. Right? Jesus doesn't, like, when you welcome him into your apartment, into your dirty, messy apartment, yeah. he, wants to, he wants to come in the dirty, messy apartment. He's not waiting for you to clean up. Sure. Let me know when you've cleaned up, and then I can come in. Yeah. I'll make sure there's a place for me to sit down if you've got stuff all over it. And the reality is he doesn't wait for that. He wants to come in. But the reality is he doesn't want it to remain a mess. Yeah. Right? When he comes in, when Jesus comes into our lives, into our hearts— I mean, the sign of that is transformation. We have changed. So either the things that we're doing, and I'll go so far as to say 
those ways of prayer you're talking about, I use them all the time, and I think that's powerful. Yeah. But you know what? A beautiful liturgy is a beautiful liturgy. The these and the thous and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. I, I've been to very transformative liturgies where I've seen it's got the holy smoke. It's got people with pointy hats. It's got all this beautiful scola cantora choirs and yeah. whatever. Everything's going on. And you're like going, I feel like I've just gone to another plane of existence. This is beautiful. It's tra- and it's like you are transformed by that because you have a relationship mm-hmm. not with the liturgy, yeah. but the point of the liturgy, the meaning of the liturgy, the, yeah. the Eucharist and, and Jesus himself and having a relationship. And see, then there'll be change in your life. So like, if you look at yourself like, well, I think I know Jesus. It's like, well, here's the deal, dude. If you're saying, I think I know Jesus then and you're you looking around yeah. and, and you're like, nothing's really changed in my life. Well, you're you're you may be on a journey, and God bless you, and that's a good thing. Sure. But let's see how we can keep going on this thing to where suddenly people. The, the key is this: if someone comes, to you like, dude, what has happened to you? You you seem to be kind of like, I don't know, at peace, or or there's something about you. There's a joy about you. There's like a wholesome, good joy. Sure. Yeah. Not just you're cracking jokes, but you. Or you're there's happy some, when you got a raise or a promotion. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just like, you're. there's something about you that radiates joy. Yeah. That's the sign. See, that's where you've changed from, like, woe is me, woe is the world, no one loves me, and I hate the world, and I hate, and, and you, like this isolation we've talked sure. about, to where you have a relationship with Jesus, then all of a sudden people are like, I like this you. I like the new you. I like this you. Yeah. Right? It's better than that last one. And you may not even realize you had a a really bad you. No, it really or, is. It's like Ebenezer Scrooge, right? It's like the yeah. Christmas Carol. It is that difference at the end. And I'm sure the people that met him at the end in in Christmas Carol two, if there ever was one, <laughs> yeah, made, sure. who met him, were like, I can't believe that that guy was ever a rotten sob. Yeah. I don't. I can't believe that he was ever bad. Yeah. Because they met him, he's like he's so filled with joy, and that's what Jesus does. He literally transforms us. Yeah. Right. And and that's the thing about Eucharist. You know, you are what you eat. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you are what you eat. And so like, I tell people, like, I know this sounds weird, but it's like, eat more Jesus because we become more like him yeah. when we consume him. And Jesus said, unless we eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, we have no life within us. Well, that life is not just, it's not only sustaining. It is sustaining, but it's transformative. And yeah. it changes us to the point where we don't necessarily even recognize ourselves. But other people go like, dude, this new you, this new Jeff, I like him. And I'm willing to listen to him more. Tell me about what he did or what what's changed in his life. Sure. Because and that's what evangelization ultimately is. And we go back to the catechumenate and the time and building relationships. And essentially, it's about trust and, yeah. the, and the Curcio method of you know make a friend. Hey, how you doing? My name's Jeff. What's your name? Oh, hey, John. Nice to meet you. But then there's that building of trust that comes and be a friend because if I meet you. John and mm-hmm. and and like within thirty seconds say like what church do you go to uh, what are you gonna do this come on Sunday morning or You've whatever lost people those yeah, are nice things yeah. but that's not transformative yeah. right they have to get to know you and when parents come to me and say like my kids left the church and it's like well here's what you do you take these little um, these impersonal little Bible tracks that you, <laughs> whatever and lay it on their pillow every night that's right that's gonna fix it give them a DVD of a Scott Hahn series yeah. that's gonna change their lives now I love Scott Hahn don't yeah, get, I know. don't get me wrong you're gonna have but, them mad at me but it's like, <laughs> but it's a, but it's a program right yeah. and and what they need right now is not a program they don't need to be proved with yeah. their head that the church is right that that even Jesus is Lord they don't need to know that with their head they need to know Jesus through you yeah someone who loves them that would lay down their life for them 
Yeah, and, and it's it, like, yeah, yeah you, you don't experience that. Like, how many of your friends would you die for? Yeah, not many. I don't like a lot of them. Well, <laughs> but but the reality is, we we sure. claim to have friends. We claim to have best friends. Yeah, and yet that's one of the things I talk to these kids about. And I remember they, like I said, like you know, you have a best friend. We describe best friends, and like you, they get me, and and they're like this, and we like the same things, we like the same food, we wear the same clothes, like all these little fourteen-year-old girls wearing these Dressing ugly boots. Like Taylor Everybody's Smith. got the same thing, right? Taylor <laughs> Smith, right? Taylor Swift. Um, that was my little joke to them. Yeah, but anyway, sure. it's like um, you know. All these. This is my best friend. We described it, and they're like, "Yeah." And because I could see them picturing their best friend. Yeah. Whoever the best friend, they're picturing their best friend. And I said, "Now ask ask yourself this: Would you die for them?" All of a sudden, they all start going, "Woo!" They hadn't even thought about that, and they were like, suddenly, and the noise of chatter in the room went yeah. way up. And there's like what two hundred kids there, and they're listening. And then all of a sudden, they're like going, and they were talking out loud because they sure. wanted to. That that moved them to the point where they felt like they had to discuss it with whoever was next to them. Yeah. Right? Some were kind of making jokes like, dude, I wouldn't die for you. But I think some of them really realized, like, man, dying for somebody is hard. Yeah. And so then you start going like, well, okay, so if Jesus is Lord, and I believe that Jesus is Lord, and then I find out that he died for me, that he willingly put himself on a cross, it's like, yeah, that's a kind of a friend that I really do need to have. Yeah. And when you have a relationship with that friend, that's transformative. And it, yeah, and it shows you how to live because he was willing to die for you. And while we may not be asked to physically jump in front of a bus for somebody or to be martyred. Yeah, but how, how many times do we have, do we willingly embarrass ourselves for a friend? We'll stand right. up and say, like, you know what? Hey, y'all need to leave sure. him or her alone. Dying to yourself in that manner. So there's, there's lots of ways that we put ourselves on a cross and don't even realize sure. that's what's happening. And, and those are things that are important for us to do. And if, but we're not doing that. How good of a friend are we actually? doesn't mean that you shouldn't have best friends. Yeah. That they're always going to fall short. And they will fall short of, of your relationship with Jesus. But that's how we should be patterning ourselves. Yeah. Right? And it, what tells you is like, if Jesus was willing to do that for you, like if Jesus was willing to come into your jail cell that morning yeah. and be literally with you in jail, I mean, that's a pretty special friend, and that should be transformative. And, like, you know, praise God, in your life I think it was transformative. Sure. I mean, and, 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 and I think that a lot of people can look at places in their life where, like, they didn't really change. Yeah. So then they call into question, do I really have one of those relationships that, I'm, like, that they're talking about? And I really want that. So we should probably talk about how to get that. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. You talked about coming to the jail cell, and people often ask me, John, why did you give up a career and – you know, all this success you had and all this stuff in the secular world. And it's because Jesus did something for me that I could not do for myself. And I want to give myself to do the same thing for other people. I want people to see that there's possibilities in that for themselves too. And that's what it really means. Because when you have received that love of the Lord and you understand it, it calls you to live in, in gratitude, yeah. right? And through that gratitude, it spurs your generosity, right? I understand what's been done for me. I appreciate what's been done for me. I love the person who did that for me. And so now I'm going to go and give myself as a way of thanking that person for what they've done and pour myself out. Because, look, we all, you know, Jeff, you asked how do we do it. Uh, you know, this past Wednesday night, we, we had our men's group and we had a worship night. And there's a guy that's been coming. And I just noticed, you know, he shared something on a formation night, didn't tell us what was going on, but was kind of where's God in this. Mm -hmm. And I noticed some other things. And, you know, on the way out of the out of the mass, we've been there at, you know, seven. We're leaving about eight forty five from mass and adoration and confession. And I want to get home to my family. 
But I see him kind of standing over by himself, and I walk over and I ask a question that I thought was probably what was going on in his life, and he just breaks down. Yeah. And in that moment, I could have said, uh, hey, man, sorry, I didn't mean to ask that question. I got to get in the truck. I got a taco. I got to warm up at yeah. home, and I got to kiss the kids and put them in bed. But I sat there, and this isn't to, to, to you know you know brag on myself, but I sat there on the tailgate till like 1030 on a Wednesday night. And when I got home, Ansel was you know going to bed. The kids were already in bed. Food was cold. But at the end of the day, that's like that person needed me. And I realized like in that moment, although selfishly I may have wanted to be doing something else or needed to be doing something else, I looked and I was like, this is what Jesus did for me. Right, he was willing to take that time in my life and sit with me and and listen to me and hear me and then offer advice and and give himself completely to me, and that's what we have to do. Like to have this relationship first and foremost. If you don't have one with Jesus, you simply have to spend more time with him. You're never gonna have a relationship right. with anybody that you don't have you don't spend time with. If you're giving him one hour a week where you're going and you're saying some things and maybe half paying attention at a mass. Like, mass is always going to be pouring into our lives. And no let's be honest, it's not an hour. It's 59 minutes. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's <laughs> like you are, you get upset. If it's like an hour and three minutes, like, Father, we got to go to Perkins. We yeah. go to Perkins every <laughs> single time. That's right. And, and not everyone thinks that way, but the reality is our mind is like racing. It's hard for us to yeah. focus. And so we're not necessarily even investing ourselves in that mass. Yeah. So just showing up, I mean, uh, you know, a priest – that I knew, uh, knew before used to say like, just being standing in your garage doesn't make you a car, Yeah, right? Just showing <laughs> up at church really doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't sure. make you a follower of Jesus necessarily yeah. just by the fact that you're sitting there. It's mm-hmm. like, you really, I mean, that's liturgy is like the public work of the church and we're supposed to be part of that work. Sure. Right. And if we're not part of that work, we're just an observer, an observer, and it's really not, and it's, that's never going to be transformed. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I also tell people too, like when, when you were falling in love with the person, you know, you married, whether you're a girl or a guy listening to this, you know, and, you're, and you, you fell in love with your spouse, like that, people would say it's infatuation at first, but like you met that person and it, all of a sudden your guy friends weren't as big of a priority. Yeah. All this other stuff wasn't as big of a your priority. Your life changed. Yeah. Cause you're just like, I don't know yeah. what it is with them, but I want to spend every minute with them. And then you get married and all that goes away. But well, I'm just but kidding. You, but you, <laughs> but you like my you, wife's you, in here. I'm joking brush, with her. You brush your teeth. Yeah. You like you comb your hair when like when we had hair, right? Sure. You you yeah. take care of yourself. You present yourself in a way because it changes you. Yeah. Because you want to have this relationship. Yeah. And then, but you the point of that is like you you're spending everything and you will do whatever it takes to have more time yeah. with that person. And that's where we have to get in our life. Is like I didn't have a relationship with Jesus overnight. I had one when I was young, but my focus when I was young was always on Jesus. That's right. I was always at church because that's where my friends were. That's where my community was. And that's where I found the joy in my life. And then I had to find that again in my life. And it started with coming home from that jail and opening the word of God and going, I don't know where to start, but I remember this is one thing. So I used that worked to use. for you. It, yeah. it worked for you. Uh, if I was talking to like just some regular Catholic guys that have sure. kind of sort of gotten in this like this is what I do every week. This is how every week works, and I don't really feel like it's special or anything. But I do the mass thing, and occasionally I've shown up to a men's club thing or a Knights of Columbus thing, or you know, I I coach the church soccer team, whatever it is. Sure. You know, you feel like you're involved, but you just don't feel like anything's changed. I would go back to the the prayers you were talking about, and what I would do, what I would advise somebody is like, you know. Um, even if you're still, if you're like really doubting the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, just go to adoration. It's really quiet. Yeah. It always helps when there's some like church lady to the right who's praying a rosary. 
just I imagine she's praying for me, and sure. I'll sit in there, and it's like, and and I won't talk to her, whatever, whatever, and and that's like she fervently believes that's actually Jesus. Well, if she's doing that, I'll let her handle the belief part. Right now, I'm just going to sit here in the quiet, in front of what looks like a piece of bread, adoration, yeah, and I'm just going to open my heart up and just say, I'm going to use this as an opportunity and say, God. I mean, I'm just, I'm lost. I don't know what to feel. I don't know how this is supposed to work. I'm really not sure what to do. I've had people tell me all day long and all lifelong, really, that if I go to mass, if I go to confession once a year, if I do this, if these things happen, then I would I would be a Christian. Yeah. It's like, but I just don't feel like a Christian. I don't feel like driven. I don't, it's like just the first thing you do is just ask. Sure. That's why Jesus spends all this time saying things like, ask and you shall receive. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, I've never actually really tried that. <laughs> and when you try that, just be careful. If you're going to ask yeah, a question, you may get what you want. you're going to get an answer. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you need to listen. And if you just if you just sit there, I promise you, after a period of time, you're going to start to have a relationship. And it may seem weird, but you're going to have a relationship with what looks like a piece of bread. Yeah. But you're actually having a relationship with our Lord and Savior, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the presence of the Eucharist. And then and it's going to be, then you're going to start to like feel this desire to like clean your apartment, to yeah. go to confession, to like make things kind of right in a moral way. It's going to change your life. And you're, you're not going to get rid of whatever temptations you had to whatever addictions you had, whatever problems with anger, lust, power, um, you know, whatever it is that you, you've been and probably are still struggling with. That doesn't just wash away all of a sudden, I'm a new man. But the reality is, or woman, but the reality is over a period of time, you start noticing that your life is changing. Your, your desires have shifted and you start to like little by little, I started going like, you know, I'm kind of digging adoration, or I, I, I'm listening more to mass, and I'm, I'm being more attentive to like when I go to mass and what my state of mind is. At sure. Those, and that, see, then you start to recognize transformation, and then your wife, guys, or your husband, uh, ladies, is going to say like, hey, I don't know what you're doing differently, but I'm kind of liking our relationship. And they may not say it in those words, but you may find yourself sitting and watching TV together that you didn't sure, used to yeah. do. You may find yourself going like, hey, let's uh, let's just go out to dinner. Let's ditch the kids and let's go just hang out somewhere <laughs> like we used to. You know, and then things in your life change. And yeah. that's those are the little changes that start to build up. Then you suddenly start to realize, and if you look at the big picture, if you float up out of your body, have an out-of-body experience and look at yourself, you're going to like, man, this is all about Jesus. This is all because I have like started to build a real and true relationship with the person of Jesus Christ, not only because he's the Lord, but because he loves me so much. He was so humble, like that he would die for me. Mm -hmm. And if he's willing to do that, then I, I really want to know him better. Yeah. And then when you know him better, everything changes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's the thing. The final thing I would say is, you know, you mentioned feelings, trust, truth, you know, we always say on here a lot in the last few episodes, in the last year or so, we've been talking about faith isn't about feelings, it's about truth, and Jesus Christ is the truth. Yeah. So a lot of times we may not feel like we're close to Jesus, we may not feel worthy, we may not feel those things, and we have to do our best to put those aside and trust that Jesus is who he says he is, which is the truth, right? And so, folks, I mean, uh, Deacon Jeff, first of all, thank you for being here. Oh, man, always a wealth good. of knowledge and 
And, I can't uh, say it's for the pay, enjoy- though. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, we can discuss that later. Maybe there's some lasagna cooking. Yeah, that's right. I'll take you by McDonald's after this, get you those famous fries hey, milkshake you love. got my kids to go to confession, that's so, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm easily bought and sold. Yeah, but, I mean, folks out there, look, we all struggle. We all want a better relationship with Christ. The thing is, you can't just sit there and want and, and just say, I want this. You have to actually do something about it, and you have to put some of the things that Deacon Jeff and I have mentioned here into practice. and. And literally one of the best prayers I love is like, Jesus, just show yourself to me. Show yourself real to me. Like, I give you permission. And that's the great thing about our God is that he loves you so much that he gives you free will and he gives you a choice. He's never going to force his way into your life. He's always staying there on the edge of you, waiting, hoping, watching that you're going to give him an invitation. And so just trust that that's what he wants. And just give a simple prayer. Lord, come more into my life. Open my heart more. Show yourself real to me. And then just trust that he will and hold on and wait for the ride. Amen. So, uh, you know what? We've been talking about relation, uh, relationship. I don't really have a prayer uh, offhand, I want to say, other than the one that our Lord taught us into how to come, up, come into a better relationship with our Father. So let's Amen. say the Our Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.